It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being with us today. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to continue on with our series on angels. We looked last week that angels are all around. Amen? Uh, Actually, from Genesis to Revelation, we have the activity of angels. You can see God's angels. uh, They were instrumental when Jesus was born. There was a heavenly host singing that showed up to the lowest uh, employee on the planet, and that was a shepherd. He was the lowest on the social rung of the ladder, and God showed up to them. God loves everybody, amen? How many of you believe the Bible is true today? Yeah? I want to say something very straightforward that um, most of us... We know this, but we may not know this experientially. We may we may know this, but we have not yet possibly experienced what I'm about to talk about. Because a lot of times we haven't had a lot of exposure to it. Now the message I'm going to preach today is um, through the Word of God. There is a pattern. of angel activity when certain things are done, more so than when certain things are not done. And what I'm going to walk us through in the next two weeks is how we can begin to be a part of the process of activating angels. How many of you believe that the enemy and demonic powers are active in our world today? Now, I told you last week that there are more with us than there are with them. Two-thirds of the angels stayed with God when one-third of the angels fell with Lucifer. And today, I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter 1. I want us to look at verses 13 and 14. And there is a question posed that is answered. The question is, verse 13 It says, but to which of the angels has he, God, ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they, speaking of angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? So everybody say this, angels, God's angels... Are ministering spirits sent out to render service for my sake? If you are someone who has inherited salvation, you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, God wants to send angels to render service to you. I shared with you last week how even the enemy, when Jesus was tempted for 40, after 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, he was tempted by the devil, and one of the temptations of the devil was that he took him to the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, in the word it says, has he not given his angels charge concerning you? He said, jump off, and the angels of God will be there. Now, 
He twisted the Scripture, and that's what he always does. But he knows the Scripture. And that Scripture is true. The angels of God have been sent so that lest you dash your foot against a stone, they're there, and that is an area of protection. Okay? So they protect, but they also will fight for us in the heavenly realms. Daniel talks about this. When he fasted, he began to fast for the children of Israel. He set his heart to fast and pray, and the day he began to set his heart to fast and pray, the Bible says that God sent forth an angel. But it was 21 days of fasting, and still there was no breakthrough. And the reason why is that in the heavens, there was battles going on with the angels of God and the angels of the devil, the fallen angels. And so today, I want you to understand and tell you in the name of the Lord and as his messenger to you today that angels are real. They are not, I want to just say this as I said, declare that. They are, however, not to be prayed to. They are not to be worshipped. They are not something that you uh, take alongside and, and uh, that's your God. The Bible says they are sent to render service. They're sent to help in trials and tribulations, but they are real and they are active, but there has been probably within the last two decades a spirit of destruction sent out upon our earth to destroy everything in its path that is righteous. And that is holy. Things that have been held for millennia as truth are now being questioned, are now being reversed. Laws are being changed, and lives have been affected. And it is a spirit of destruction. How many of you believe that there are demons in this earth destroying everything they touch? And I'm here to tell you this morning that part of what God has put me on this planet for is to destroy their work and to help you learn how to destroy their work. And I want you to understand this. Satan hates you. Satan hates the church. Satan hates preachers. He hates God's people. In fact, he hates them even if you're not one of God's people. Amen? He hates what the Spirit of God has told Celebration Church to do in this town and in this last hour. He hates what God is telling you today in this message. Now, I want you to understand that we don't need to look very far in our society today to realize that there are spirits of destruction all around but what, we, what we've got to come to grips with is what are we going to do about it? How many of you know the government can't fix it? Have you, have you found that to be true? The government can't fix it. In fact, a lot of times it intensifies it. There has to be a spiritual renewal before there is a social renewal. 
You cannot renew society and keep people unchanged. So at the very core of it is we must begin to understand that there is a spiritual warfare going on, and there are battles in the heavenlies going on. So I want us to look here at two passages of Scripture. I'm just going to reference them very quickly, but then we're going to deal with them in depth. And they're found in the book of Second Chronicles. And I want you to look, first of all, in... Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 31. And I want you to notice the very first verse of chapter 31, and then also look at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Now, I have shared this before many years ago. Some of you might recognize this, but I'm going to build on it. And the Bible says something very important. Now, when all this was finished, I want you to stop and think about that, and that will probably create a question, when all what was finished? That's what we're going to look at. But I want you to see this. Now, when all this was finished is how chapter 31 starts. Then look at chapter 32, and it says, After these acts of faithfulness, everybody say acts of faithfulness, that is going to be our focus. I want you to catch that because that is going to be the key to helping activate angels. And there is a biblical pattern that is laid out in Scripture to activate angels. There is an attitude. Everybody say attitude. And there is an approach to life, say attitude and approach, that will enable God to dispatch angels of mercy. How many of you know this, that you say, well, God can do anything. I know he can, but listen to this. God has limited himself in making decisions for man. You say, well, how do you mean, pastor? Here's what I mean. Does he force you to get saved or does he call you to get saved? Is he reaching out for you to be saved? But can you, can you refuse that? So what I'm saying to you today is there is a sometimes this missing element. Sometimes we think, even as believers, that God's just going to come in and boom, fix it. But God always has worked with mankind. That's why he created Adam and Eve. He had Adam working the ground. He gave Adam the earth. Did you know that the earth was man's? The Bible talks about that. The heavens belong to God, but the earth belongs to man. And man had the earth, and he had authority over the earth. And when he fell to Lucifer's temptation, he gave it to Lucifer. And cause here's what happened is when Jesus was tempted in, like I said, 40, 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was tempted, Jesus then was led into temptation by the devil. He never fell to the temptation, but part of what the devil said is, look at all the land. Look at all these kingdoms. They belong to me. I'll give them to you. Well, you know what? In that, he was correct because the first Adam gave it all away. But the second Adam, in the personage of Jesus Christ, got it all back. 
Because he did not bow to the devil. He did not do what the first Adam did. He did what the first Adam couldn't do, and he got it all back. So now God still chooses to work through mankind on this earth. And that is why when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, Pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. How? Just like it's being done in heaven. So your will and your kingdom is already working in heaven, but it needs to work on earth. And the way it works is God works with us. And he wants to send forth his holy angels to administer service to us. And I want you to know this sometimes. Some of you, you work your angels overtime. But all of us have angels that are assigned to you. I told you last week, I I think I believe I have at least two. One is for comfort, and one is for war. One is to fight battles. How many of you know you can get weary in the battles, and you also need comfort? You say, well, pastor, I didn't know. Did I, do angels do that? Do you guys remember when, when, when uh, Elijah is up on top of Mount Carmel, and he defeats all the prophets, 450 prophets of Asher, 400 of Baal, and all that? And, and, and Jezebel's like, I'm going to make you like one of them tomorrow. When I get a hold of you, boy, you're going to be dead too. And he's running. He's afraid. He's weary. He thinks he's the only one left. He thinks he's the only prophet of God around. And do you know what happens? God didn't come down. God sent an angel down. He gave him comfort. He gave him food. You could say he gave him comfort food. And he let him eat again. And he said, go in this the strength of that food because you're going to be 40 days and 40 nights. And he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and God showed up again. Church, we're going somewhere with this. You see, it's going to take more than what we've been doing in order to see more breakthrough. Sad to say, many people of God have their angels sit with their arms folded and they cannot do their job because we have not done our job. Can I get an amen from that? So the message today is dealing with how to activate the angels of God. And we're going to learn what that means before we leave this room. Amen? We are going to begin to open up opportunity for God's angels to do the ministry. You see, it's kind of like, like a Christmas present. God can hand us the present, but if we don't do our part and open it, it's not going to do us any good. Now, in chapter 31, go back there again if you would. And uh, I want you to see the very first verse. It says that, When all this was finished, all of Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah, now watch this, broke the pillars in pieces, cut down the ashram, and pulled down the high places and the altars throughout all of Judah and Benjamin, as well as in Ephraim and Manasseh, until they had destroyed them all. Everybody say, all. Then all the sons of Israel returned to their cities, each to his possession. Here's what happened. 
The land had been defiled by other gods being set up. Instead of Israel serving the one and only God, they had created many gods. In fact, some of them had even followed after the people that they had actually taken the land from. And they continued in the way they lived. And what happens is the very first thing I want you to see that has to happen before angels can be activated is you must destroy defilement. You see, even in the book of Daniel, when Daniel was was fasting and praying, what Daniel said is he said, Lord, we have sinned. Now, I want to tell you something. Daniel was the farthest thing from a sinner. But he identified his whole nation, and he was a part of that nation, and he said, Behold, Lord, we have sinned against you. It is time for the church to rise up and say, God, we as the United States of America, we have sinned against you. We've kicked you out of our schools. We've kicked you out of our government. We've kicked you out of our homes. And many even have kicked him out of the church. The very first thing we've got to do in America is destroy defilement. Everybody say, destroy defilement. Now say it like you mean it. You see, he broke defilement off the land. He broke idolatry off the land. He broke sexual immorality off the land. Church, I want to tell you something. One of the biggest things holding back our nation is sexual immorality. I mean, it doesn't seem like you can go anywhere without that being an issue. Sexual immorality have brought down men of God. It was David's downfall, which led to murder. Mankind today has got to get a hold of their sexual lives. And I'm here to announce to you today that there is a spirit of perversion set loose on our nation. So this very first principle, how many of you are okay? The first principle that we have got to see in the Word of God is we have got to, we've got to, to destroy defilement. It must be destroyed. Notice this, that they, they went out and they cut down the asherim. The asherim? If you study the ashram, it was a, like a goddess on a pole. Sexual. Kids walking down the town would see that. It was sexual. I'm not going to show you photos, but you can find them online. And they were serving that. So think about the sexual climate of the nation. So the defilement has to come off. Notice that the Bible says that they, they cut down the ashram. They pulled down the high places until they destroyed them all. All of them. And there's not just one kind of sexual deviancy, but what's happening, church, is laws have been changed that what was once against the law. How many of you know that it was against the laws in the United States to commit adultery? Now it's not against the law to commit adultery. 
How many of you know that it was against the law to commit sodomy, which is a biblical word for homosexuality? Not against the law to do that now. So what I'm saying, church, is, is things have changed only because a lot of times this spirit has been unopposed. And as long as we allow that to continue without opposing it, first and foremost on our knees, and then when we get into conversations to say something, it will continue. I want you to see this in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 7. The Bible says this, that the angel of the Lord encamps around certain ones. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And the Bible then says, that angel will rescue them. But do you see that there is a part we play? You see, some people just say, oh, well, I got an angel, so I'm good to go. No, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. We've got to fear him, point number one. And we cannot fear him and allow defilement to just keep on going on. Now, the second thing that I want you to see, can you see that? The second thing that I want you to see, and this is, this is I don't fully comprehend it, but it does have something to do with what we put our focus on. What we choose to hold dear to us. Watch this. Verses 2 through 10 of Second Chronicles. Look at chapter 31, verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and the Levites by their divisions, each according to his service, both the priests and the Levites, for burnt offerings and for peace offerings, to minister and to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. He also appointed the king's portion of his goods for the burnt offerings, namely for the morning and evening burnt offerings, and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths, and for the new moons, and for the fixed festivals, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Also he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Everybody say the tithe. And as soon as the order spread, the sons of Israel provided in abundance the first fruits of grain, new wine, oil, honey, and all of the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of all. And the sons of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of sacred gifts which were consecrated to the Lord their God and placed them in heaps. In the third month they began to make the heaps and finished them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the rulers came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, said to him, Since the contributions began to be brought into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat, and we've had plenty left over, for the Lord has blessed his people, and this great quantity is left over. Do you know, church, in America today, in the United States of America, more is spent on dog food than is given in tithe? Americans think more of their their dog, reverse the word, than God. 
Yet God has said the tithe, it's, it doesn't even belong to the church. It belongs to God. And the people that were responsible to receive it were the priests. And what happened is, is when angels are activated, it is always in coordination with certain things that people do. First thing is we got to defile, destroy defilement. But one of the other second things is, is a lot of times we as human beings are selfish and want to hold on to what we believe is ours. But church, I want you to know today that there's nothing that we have on this earth that belongs to us because we are simply caretakers of it. God is the creator of it. God is the owner of it. He said, I own all the cattle on a thousand hills. So if you're a rancher and you've got some cows, they're all God's. They all belong to him. If you have some horses or pigs or chickens or ducks or goats or whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever they are, they're his. He said, I even own all the gold and all the silver. You can mine it. You can find it. I've even hidden some of the jewels of mine in the earth. But I want you to know that once you find them, they all belong to me. But all God asks is for a tenth. Now, 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 I want you to know here that the first thing Hezekiah does is he destroys defilement off the people and off the land, and then he reinstitutes giving actually over and above the tithe because not only were the tithes given, but he said there's enough left over. There's over an abundance. And then we see in, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 32, after these acts of faithfulness, watch this. Let's go to chapter 32 and verse 1 real quick. After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. Here's what happens when the church of God begins to do those acts of faithfulness. A spirit of destruction is going to try to continue. You see, what was on Sennacherib was a spirit of destruction. He wanted to destroy the people of God. Church, there is in this world today, in the United States today, a spirit that wants Christians gone. Hates what I'm saying today. Now, I want to apply this to ourselves. When we destroy defilement off of our life, are you getting anything out of this? And and you start giving faithfully to God, then here comes the spirit of destruction. Let's read it, chapter 32. Are you ready to continue in the Word? Look at verse 2. Now, when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided, notice this, this is, this is the king, this is, this is Israel's leader. Everybody say, it's man. See, this isn't God doing it. This is a man responding to God. Now watch, when he sees Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and his warriors to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. So many people assembled assembled and stopped up all the springs in the stream which flowed through the region, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? And he took courage, and he rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down. And he erected towers on it, and he built another outside wall, and he strengthened the millow in the city of David, and he made weapons and shields in great numbers. So here's what David's doing. He's cutting off all the supply of what the devil could take or what the enemy could take. He's shoring up what has been broken down. He's building another wall around the city, and he's building weapons in order for them to be able to fight the enemy. Can you see it? 
And he appointed, verse 6 says, military leaders over the people. He gathered them to him in the square of the city gate. He spoke encouragingly to them, and he said this, be strong and courageous. Look at your neighbor and say, be strong and courageous. He said, do not fear. The world needs to hear that today. The church of God needs to hear that today. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed because of the king of Assyria. Do not be dismayed because the devil is moving or because of all this multitude which is with him, for the one with us is greater than the one with him. I told you that last week. I'm going to tell it to you again. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles, and the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. In other words, the children of God had a choice to make. Are you going to believe what you see, or are you going to believe the word of God? Are you going to fear, or are you going to faith? Are you going to live for what God said I can do or what the world says they're doing? And through this, we got to understand God sends forth his angels in order to give assistance. Now, watch this. Verse 9. After this, the devil never quits. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem while he was besieging Lachish with all his forces with him against Hezekiah, king of Judah, and against all Judah who were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you're remaining in Jerusalem under siege? Is not Hezekiah misleading you to give yourselves over to die by hunger and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before one altar, and on it you shall burn incense? And the devil always does that. To the person who's speaking, from the person that is leading, the devil always wants to take out the shepherd. Because if you take out the shepherd, you can take out the sheep. And so the shepherd was King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was hearing from God. Even the devil was using what King Hezekiah did in righteousness and tried to accuse him of doing something unrighteous. Did you catch it? He said he's taken down all of his own high places. Now listen, the devil is lying. The only true God is God alone. Now watch this. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done, this is the enemy, to all the peoples of the lands? Were the gods of the nations of the lands able at all to deliver their land from my hand? Who was there among all the gods? I can just hear the the devil in this. Who was there among all the gods of those nations which my fathers utterly destroyed who could deliver his people out of my hand that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this, and do not believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you from my hand? And his servant spoke further against the Lord Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. So, in other words, it wasn't just King Sennacherib, the enemy. It wasn't just the devil speaking. It was all of his minions. And they began to tell the people all these different things. Now watch this. Verse 17. He also wrote letters to insult the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nations of the lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah shall not deliver his people from my hand. That's a challenge, folks. That's like Goliath. 
And they called this out with a loud voice in the language of Judah, in Hebrew. These were Assyrians, but they spoke the language of the people. To the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall, why? Why? To frighten them and to terrify them so they may take the city. And as they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as of the God's or they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as of the gods of the peoples on the earth, the work of men's hand. Do you know what happens? Look at verse 20 and 21. They come into a green prayer, folks. Now, folks, I want you to see this. This is the third thing in the pattern of activating angels. First, you destroy defilement. Second, sacrificial giving has got to be a part of your life. And thirdly, when the spirit of destruction comes, people have to get into a green prayer. They must pray accurately, pointedly, and in unity. They must be all of them wanting the same thing. That's when revivals happen. Everybody gets in one accord. Look at verse 20. But the king, Hezekiah, and Isaiah the prophet, my favorite, I love this guy, the son of Amos, prayed about this and cried out to heaven. And the Lord, here it is, guys, sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land. And this king Sennacherib, when he entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with a sword. Now go back to verse 21. And the Lord sent an angel. Everybody say one. Your mind's going to blow in a minute. It's only one angel. One angel. So many people think of angels as these little fairy creatures in Christian literature that if you blew on them, they'd fall down. You know, who sit over your head of your bed, and if you blow on them, they fall down. Well, I want to explain to you a little bit about this angel in verse 21. And to do that, I'm going to have to take you back to 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 35 through 37. Are you with me? Everybody say one angel. Second Kings 19 verses 35 through 37. Second Chronicles tells us what happened. Second Kings explains it. Verse 35. 2 Kings 19. Then it happened that night 
that the angel of the Lord, everybody say one angel, went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. This even explains who his God was. And it came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, his God, that Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword. Those were his kids. And they escaped in the land of Ararat, and Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. When they defile, or when they destroy defilement, when they give sacrificially, and when they get into a green prayer, the angel of God is sent forth. This angel defeated Sennacherib and destroyed 185,000 of the enemy. With one sweep of his hand. Talk about movie material. Folks, there's more with us as the people of God than with the children of the devil. Some of you are saying, I'll just take me a part time angel. But it's part time. You see, I want to tell you, church, that that is how strong that angel is that wants to fight for you and stand against the destroyer of these United States of America. I want you to just say this. We need angels activated. This is real, folks. It's how God did it. It's how God delivered Judah. God's people were in tandem, working together with God. The leader, the king, the nation's leader, politically as well as spiritually, but he was king. What he said went. And what does he do? He calls the prophet Isaiah, and he gets in a green prayer with him. Oh, we can't mix, no wait, we can't mix the church and the state. That's the problem. You cannot separate it. I'm not being political today. I'm being spiritual today. Every issue we see going on in the United States of America, and you can put any nation in this, begins in the Spirit. It's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, the Bible says, that we fight. It's not human beings. It's not Republican and Democrat. It it's, it's begins with strongholds, and church strongholds are thought processes. How many of you know that whoever gets the thoughts and the ideas into the minds of our youth 
win our youth. That's why Russia said way back, clear back in the 50s, we will never have to fire on the United States. All we'll have to do is get the generation of the youth. If you can change the mind, listen to me, church. Will you think about, will you think about, I I don't know how many of you may have known your great-grandparents, but would you think about the days in which they lived? Mine lived from the late 1800s, late 1800s through some of the 1900s. They saw, they they started life driving a horse, riding a horse and driving a carriage. They ended life flying around the country and watching the rockets hit the moon. Boom. But the things that were accepted back in those days are, were not, the things that are accepted in our days would have never been accepted in those days. And here's what's happened is what one generation allows in moderation, the next generation will celebrate in excess. And that's what's happened in our United States of America. But see, this was happening even in the children of Israel's day. Now, let me take you to the book of Malachi. And I want you to look at verses 2 through 10. And I'm going to close with this. And it's very interesting to me that Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. The last of the prophets. Look at chapter 3 and verse 2. Are you still with me? But who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? Speaking of God. Boy, check this. But He is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He's like a launderer who's going to clean it up. He's like a steel smith that gets all the impurities out of the metals. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I'll draw near to you for judgment, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers. Look, check this out. Check the different things that were going on in their world. Sorcerers. But we got a whole generation that is drawn to the supernatural, but it's not on the right side. Sorcerers. And against adulterers. God still says adultery is wrong. And against those who swear falsely. God doesn't like lying. And against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages. He doesn't like unjustness. The widow and the orphan and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me. Who is the Lord sending forth the angel of the Lord to? Those who fear him, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, check it out, do not change. If there's anybody that's changed, who is it? I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. And here's what God is saying to him: return to me. And if you will return to me, I will return to you. Well, now, Lord, why don't you just return to us? Because you have got to want it. And there's something we've got to do. 
You're not just saved because you're born. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born. You're born once naturally, but you've got to be born again. You've got to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And that leader of Israel said, Lord, how can I go back into my mama's tummy? And he's like, no, there's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. You've got to be born again. But you say, how shall we return? Now, church, right here, a lot of people can say, well, he's just going to try to take an offering. I didn't write this. But I am saying this is a, such a valid point in activating angels. Watch this. Will a man rob God? He said, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. And then he said, because of that, you're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Do you see it? You see, you'll remember Malachi tells them here in chapter 3 that that to get their heart right with God, to get the idols out of their lives, and they said, how do we get right with God? And what did Malachi say? Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse so that there might be meat in my house. And I want you to notice this, and he says in the next verse, he says, uh, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it may not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, when he says that he is going to literally, watch that, rebuke the devourer, that's angel activity right there, church. He's going to send forth angels. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, to give service to those who follow after God. Church, I am glad to announce to you today, listen to this, that the devil may send 10,000 spirits of destruction against me, against this church, but there are more with us today than there are with him today. There are more. The Lord, the Lord says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. In fact, that means that there's not going to be enough room for you to receive it. Well, I'm ready for that to happen in the spirit realm. Amen? The only, the only blue I want to see in this, in this building is the carpet. There's a lot of blue seats. When we look out there, we should just see people. Amen? Until it's overflowing. Until it's overflowing, folks. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Literally, rebuking the devourer takes place when the Lord of hosts commands the angels to be loosed on behalf of the obedient believer. Now, when did God say he would rebuke the devourer? After God's people are walking in obedience. After God's people break defilement, stand in a green prayer. And begin to give. Do you see it? If you see it, say, I see it. Now, I want to close with this. The angels of God 
are activated again 400 years later. Remember, from the time of Malachi to the birth of Christ, they were silent years. 400 years, seven generations, God did not speak one time. In 400 years, the people heard Malachi's prophecy. They said, yeah, he's just trying to take an offering today. Can I just say this, church? God doesn't need your money. God does not need... He's the guy that owns all the cattle, the gold, the silver, the stones, the diamonds, the rubies, the emeralds, all, you name it. They all belong to him. It's not about God needing money. It's about us needing obedience. They didn't obey what the man of God said, and God's voice wasn't heard for 400 years. Seven generations of people did not hear one word from God. But then Jesus is born. Everybody say amen. In Matthew chapter 1, how many of you are aware that the greatest sacrificial gift that was ever given was given by God? When God gave the gift of Jesus, He even sent the heavenly hosts and sing, they sang at the top of their voices to introduce Him into the world. I mean, talk about a, a concert the shepherds on those hills in Bethlehem had a concert that night. It was the best Christmas concert ever. It was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, folks, just because we haven't had much experience with angels doesn't mean they're real. But I've got this feeling that we're going to see their activity greatly increased because I believe God's people are going to rise up and activate them like never before. Amen? Jesus came, and he was the one who would hang on the cross, and he would break defilement off the earth. He himself would receive our defilement so that we don't have to live in defilement. Can somebody say praise God? Then you look at the book of Acts chapter 1, and you find that the angels ushered him out of the earth. When the disciples watch him go up into heaven, do you know what? They're watching up like this, and it's like they just keep on looking, and he's just ascending. You know what the Bible says? There were two men there. They were angels. They're like, hey, guys, what are you looking at? The same Jesus you see ascending like that, he's going to come back the very same way. That's the second coming, folks. That's when Jesus is going to come back again. You see, angels, they're there, but they've got to be activated. Have you seen it? Now, here's what God has instructed me to do. We can all do this. I'm going to give you rubber to the road. You're going to be able to take this, put it on your spiritual tires, and actually get someplace this week. From tomorrow, February the 27th, until Good Friday in April is 40 days and 40 nights. From tomorrow, February 27th, until Good Friday in April, before Easter, is 40 days. 
I am going to challenge you to pray every day this week to break destroy defilement off of our country. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I know some of you, you have different dietary needs and things like that. Anybody that can pray and fast, I'm just going to challenge you to just do this. Fast one meal a day. Just one meal a day. Instead of eating, pray. Keep your water supply. Keep that going, you know. But if, if we just took one meal a day and fasted that meal and prayed for defilement to be destroyed off of our land. Church, listen, when the house of God got into a green prayer, the Bible says God began to deliver. God began to send forth. He just actually sent forth one angel and he did what he did. I'm telling you, church, this is the answer to what else is in the United States of America. You say, well, pastor, it can't be that simple. It is. Do you know how easy it is to accept Christ as Lord and Savior? Remember there were two guys on the cross? One guy was rebuking him. Actually, both of them started doing that, but one guy actually began to watch Jesus. And do you know all he said before he died? He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Now, wait, you didn't say that prayer right. You need to say, forgive me of my sins. Name all your sins. He didn't say that. All all, all he said was, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That was the first guy that made it. The last guy that Jesus ministered to was the first guy who made it. Jesus went, and not too many hours later, saved thief man went. And that's as simple as it gets. It's so simple, anyone can understand it. A child can understand it. That's why Jesus said, bring them all to me. Have you gotten something out of this today? What do we got to do? Destroy defilement, number two. Sacrificially give, number three. Come into a green prayer. So as we begin to pray, now next week there may be another focus, but right now this focus for this week of prayer is destroying defilement. Every time you get in your prayer closet, that's our prayer. It's a rifle prayer. It's not a shotgun prayer. Say, well, pastor, why do I pray? Destroy defilement. And you can use those scriptures I gave you and say, Lord, let the idols come off. Let sexual immorality fall off. Let lying, cheating, stealing come off. Let overlooking of the widows and the children come off. All of those things need to be destroyed. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray this prayer with me, if you will. Are you ready to go into this week armed? You are armed and dangerous to the devil. Bow with me. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, let me take now what you've given. Let me put it to work. Help me put it to practice. Give me the strength to endure until... Breakthrough. Send forth your angels, Lord, to render service to those who are inheritors of salvation. And Lord, I pray that we will begin to see in our nation the effects of our prayers and destroy and defilement. In the name of Jesus, amen. Encourage one another. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today.